Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 398 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Robert Wobby and Lucas Diegues of Sky Machine Studios about their stealth action game, Winter Ember. See, I made it through without mentioning the fact that this is episode 398. I've failed. 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 It's a ridiculous number. Ridiculous number. Two weeks away from 400. Here we are with Winter Ember, an excellent action-adventure game that really makes you think and have to study the environment you're in before you do anything. Really, really fun game. Highly recommended, and it's great to chat to Robert Lucas about its design and development. So without further ado, let us listen to me from the relatively recent past talk to Robert Lucas about the creation of Winter Ember. Chris, take it away. Robert and Lucas. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hello. Hello. That's us. Robert, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> well, I am the lead developer and creator of Sky Machine Studios, which we um, are now working on. Well, we finished working on Winter Ember, I should say. Yes. What, what a thing you've made here. Just lots of... We got we got questions, everyone. That's why we're here. But yeah, it's quite a, quite a thing you've made here, Lucas. What do you? Who are you? What do you do? Okay, well, I'm Lucas, and uh, I'm also a lead developer. I also do environment and some technical artists as well. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's you. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So. Robert, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Um, ugh, you would have to go back many, many moons ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> just like Arthur Torres in the game. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, I remember collaborating with a, a friend to just make a, a video game. Um, and, you know, he knew how to code. And, you know, I was doing animation and um, environmental, you know, kind of level design, all that kind of stuff. And that kind of fell through. And I'm like... Uh, you know what, I could probably, you know, maybe reach out to a bunch of people and collaborate together um, and find like-minded people who are willing to jump on the project and do something, you know, magical about it. Um, so, you know, eventually I came across Lucas, who, uh, you know, is a man of many skills and talents, and we kind of collaborated together with a few other people as well, um, and it kind of sparked from there. Right. Okay. 
Thank so you, th- sir. I should yeah. say. <laughs> so, 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 Lucas, uh, how did you make him start making video games? Uh, once upon a time. I mean, yeah. look, I think I started, uh, what, 11 years old or something? I was okay. making Warcraft maps and Half-Life maps. And I was like, this is great. I just got out of school and, hey, maps and just maps for my friends to play. And it's like, I remember inviting friends over and just be like, hey, you know what? Just want to just want to try some new map that I decided to do here. <laughs> People start playing my maps, and yeah, that's how I started. Yeah, doing. I was picking my nose at you know, age eleven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy's just building worlds and creating things. Oh, yeah, I th- I think it was eleven. I- I'm not sure. It was probably something like that. Ten, eleven. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you had to go back as well. You didn't go. Yeah, well. yeah, he's he got, yeah, yeah. We're we're heading <laughs> towards fetus territory. So keep yeah, keep exactly. He was um, born with a mouse and keyboard in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 actually, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I used to love playing like Warcraft and Half-Life in, in local, uh, you know, land, right? Essentially back then, right? Uh, it was great. It was great. That's how I started. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, that's just, we hear that a lot. People just sort of getting the editing tools and diving in rather than just fiddling around and... Um, like yeah okay that's not for me but instead you actually went oh no no this this is is there, there's a game here no surely not and uh, i mean that's how dota came to being and you know mm. uh that that was True. that was a mod that was based on just they they tweaked the they turned the hero bit of warcraft mm. two three 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 um and said oh well, this is an interesting concept for rts make uh, like a hero unit that's a bit weird. Let's see how far we can take this. Mm. And now here well, I suppose, we are. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Everyone, like, back in the day, like, going back to Doom and, you know, the earlier games, um, if you think about it, they were pretty independent indie even kind of development. You know, they weren't to the same extent as we've got now. So everyone just started somewhere, decided to jump on the computer and do something out of their passion. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, and in, in, in Dota, the thing is, like, because the, the the reason why is, I think at least it, most of the Warcraft fan base, the, the good thing about it is that the the level editor is actually pretty sophisticated for that time, right? And so you can do pretty much code inside the editor. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why so many maps got created in the first place, and that's probably inspired a lot of people, like a lot of people. Well, it was it was a tool that had to replicate what the creators. I mean, it's the same tool the creators used, although a little bit more pared down to make it more palatable to the public, to make the levels of the original game itself. That's the point. And in order to do that, the, the whole game was built. It was very narrative heavy. Well, it was tried to be anyway. And because of that, it had to create these scripts, these set pieces, these events, these. They had the base concept of the RTS, you know, build your units up, build your base up, and then send them forth, and then and then continue to do that until someone wins. And that's that's you know the, the underlying. But around that, they then torted it and changed it and twisted it so it could actually tell a story with this very very dry, what well, seemingly dry um, system. And because of that, it sort of so it was basically. Um, Necessity is the mother of invention, which mm. is a, a common phrase, yeah. and it's true. And that's what came about with the uh, Warcraft editor. That's, that's how I see it. Uh, to, have, to have it, to allow it to run scripts like that, that's what that's what set it apart. And mm. um, yeah, it's and people really delved into that to the point where we're going. Oh, I could make it into something else. Let's do a driving game. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm not. <laughs> I think someone did that with it. But um, yeah, it's it, it, we have a lot to thank for those um, mod um, engines and editors thinking that mm. most to the to the to the layperson or the inexperienced or person who doesn't delve into it think it is just that you creating a map. That's it. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's exciting. You can, I'm going to put a tree there and put a little river there and some mm. mountains, and then create a, like a level which is interesting. So you can't have grunt rushing because then it get a bottleneck, etc. That's what generally was the mm. was the trigger was the, you know to avoid the terrible grunt rush, which I don't think anyone really solved. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, but I think but, it's a it's a reflection of like tool sets becoming a lot easier for developers to jump in. Like yeah. that's that's an early form, but like if you have a look at you know uh, why there's so many indie developers um, compared to what it was back in the day. Well, firstly, our tool sets are way way easier. Doesn't yeah. mean our workload's easier. It's you know um, yeah. the level of quality had to increase over time. Um, but you know that's kind of a reflection of what we see in you know Unreal Engine Five, for example, has so many amazing little things that they're coming up with. That is just out of the box, as Lucas's favorite word uh, that's uh, or my term. Favorite. <laughs> yeah, out of the box. Uh, <laughs> so you can focus more on other aspects of the game. Yeah, compared to like uh, you know fighting with the system. I mean, I'm real. Yeah, it's it's great for making train stations, apparently. Um, but um, sorry, that's a, bit of a reference to an image that or video people put out of this train station made out of Unreal Engine Five. It looks ridiculous. Um, but no, you're right. It's it's just cut to the chase. Why do I have to sit there learning assembly to do this stuff? Um, which historically, that's how video games were made, just purely, purely on a, in, in assembly, which. Uh, to, to most developers these days is horrific <laughs> it's, it's just the mere, mere idea of like I want to change the colour of that particular pixel right well you need to change the memory address for that oh that's true but be careful because if you do that that might trigger something else oh yeah <laughs> and also that memory yep. was used for something else oh yeah it was isn't it yeah so you might want to move that <laughs> stop it from looking at that and so then you can do that oh okay Four yeah, hours the butterfly later. effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you know. As I've said many times on this show, computers are still and remain, for the moment, a series of switches. That's all they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Probably always will be. Yeah, <laughs> yes, well, no, yeah, on off. Quantum yeah. mechanics and quantum, you know. To, maybe. To, maybe yeah. one day. And then at which point, mm. we're probably all long, long dead. Anyway, so <laughs> on that very strange note, let's move on to the dreaded third question. Many guests call this the dreaded third question because it's somewhat open-ended and nebulous, but I need to ask you this question because you're creators. And if I don't have a really answer to this or a framework around this, it's difficult to really progress because then we know what makes you tick. And the question is this. What are your biggest influences? Oh, that's easy. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, go ahead, Lucas. <laughs> that's <it> me? easy. <laughs> Well, I, I, I told you, so Warcraft, Half-Life, Portal 2, oh, Portal okay. 1, uh, GTA Vice City. Uh, yeah, th those are the major ones, I believe. Hmm. So um, certain key, like, iconic, much celebrated games are certainly your direct creative influence. But why? What is it about them? That all those things you... You rattled off immediately. You said, "Oh yes, yeah, this and uh, okay." But what is the, what is it about all of those that influences you? For your me personally, thing? yeah, yeah. What is it about them? Well, I tend to like '80s music, so okay. if I see checkbox, yes. <laughs> um, uh, Poro mostly because of the puzzles. I like making puzzles, especially in games. I really like developing puzzles. So okay. puzzles for Poro. Well, and the fact that it's portals, right? It's completely out of the box. <laughs> but um, uh, Half-Life mostly because I just had a good time as, as a kid. I, I'm not, I mean, I, I, I remember liking the idea of having NPCs act completely different from one another. So it's not a cop and paste kind of, oh, well, okay, here we go. It's more like, oh, no, this guy does this. This guy jumps in your head. Oh, okay. So I, I used to remember that part. Uh, I, I'm not too sure exactly, but that was one of the major things. And Warcraft is mostly because me and my brother we used to play together pretty much daily uh, online, uh, you know, local network. And I don't know, it, it just hit me. <laughs> I'm not too sure actually. Oh, there's also Monkey Island as well. I really like Monkey Island, so there's that one. Mm. Um, I know it's a bit more old style, but yeah. <laughs> Well, not really, because a new one's coming out this year, so it's not old. Oh, at all. true. Yeah. Oh, oh, dude, dude, I can't wait. <laughs> no one can wait. No one can. When everyone saw that that preview, it. I'm sorry. It's just a good timeline after all. This is great. <laughs> sorry, well, we'll see, right? We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Robert, what about you? What's the thing to get your creative juices flowing? Um, well, a few games that kind of 
you know, connected to Winter Ember that kind of helped Winter Ember come what it is um, would be games like Metal Gear Solid. Like I remember the first Metal Gear Solid at, you know, in 1998 when that came out and that kind of blew me away. You know, the idea of um, not, you're not Rambo, so you can't go in shooting everyone up, right? You're a single individual. Um, and so how do you, how do you go up against a massive force as a single individual? Um, and so well, apparently you, you take... hide in a box. But, That's yeah. right. You hide in a box, right? <laughs> <laughs> Soft. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, and, and so, and then that kind of expanded onto like Splinter Cell and you know, later tiles like Dishonored, right? Where you can't go up ahead with like, you can't go against all these you know enemies. You're going to get slaughtered. So you have to kind of be a, a sneaky kind of, you know, you know, character. Um, and, and even like games, like not games, but like franchises, franchises like um, Batman. Like Batman, I think is a good indicator because he, he's a superhero that has no powers, but he's got gadgets and he's got mechanics and he's using real world kind of, um, you know, tools to kind of help him to take on the enemies and that sort of stuff. Well, he's um, got gadgets and angst, just to be clear. Oh, as well. Yeah, well, that's yeah. him, right? Introspection he's... and angst. That, that's the yeah, that's right. power, really, you know. Yeah, yeah. That and his ability um, to say, I'm Batman. On, yeah, on, Batman. On, on command. <laughs> exactly so. it. And, um, and, well, I think with, with Batman, it was like he was a kind of like a monster, a, a civilized monster. Yes. Where he uses his aggression towards the people he thinks should face his aggression, um, so uh, it's 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 kind of like a, a controlled monster, kind of like you know Beauty and the Beast. Um, the Beast becomes you know civilized after he meets his beauty, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think a lot of stealthy games, um, you know, I gravitated towards, um, but it started off with Metal Gear Solid, and then expanded onto like Splinter Cell. Um, you know, which expanded upon the stealth elements of hiding in the dark and that sort of stuff, and all, as well as Thief as well. Um, so as I think to answer your question, it's just the idea of staying out of sight. And um, I see stealth games not as in just staying out of sight, but it's essentially an action puzzle game where you have to figure out how to get by certain obstacles, and that might be NPCs and it might be whatever it is, right? Um, but you have to try and get by um so it's not an actual puzzle it's more of an action puzzle because we all know in a first person shooter you just go in and you shoot things and that's your objective right but in a stealth game um usually there's many many kind of ways to get past certain um scenarios yeah for me one of the earliest sort of um things that i mean yes metal gear solid was very much focused on you know the the cone of vision of the uh, the, the the guards and stuff, but I still remember playing the original Metal Gears because I'm really old. And uh, but I think for it, the one that really the game that really exploited that heavily more than even Metal Gear Solid was uh, the Commandos games, which I think they really oh liked. yeah yeah yeah. So they they're the ones that really I, I loved when when you because they were. Terribly difficult. That was their biggest yes. design flaw, which the original creators admit. They said, "Yeah, we need. We, we didn't. They spent a lot of time in recent years to actually sort of because um, mm. people were rediscovering them, actually fixing a lot of the design problems. That I mean, it's very rare people can do. They can go back to the works they've done 10, 20 years prior mm. and just going. This is a good idea, but let's just make this less less horrific in terms mm. of difficulty. However, when a plan came together, boy, did they come together." Okay, mm. just take him, take him out. Okay, take the body away. That's fine. Okay, now they, 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 I've got it away. Of it, it's fine. They can't see it. Didn't hear anything. Now, what do I do? I knock that one out, or just keep the sneak by? I mean, for me, the real victory of, of stealth is um, when you actually get by and no one knows you were there. That's the key. Mm. But I remember about... playing Commandos. I think Destination Berlin, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Uh, not sure that's, yeah, right? Yeah. I think that's the only one I played. It was pretty good. It yeah. reminded me in a way of, I know it's a bit off, but Desperados, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's, I think it's made by the same people, or I think it was, but um, they also made... Yeah, you can uh, see there's an evolution from it, yeah. Yeah, and there's also, they did a Star Trek one called Away Team. It was like, really? I don't remember much stuff in <laughs> Star Trek, <laughs> but okay. Um, but uh, I do remember going and playing that in the early 2000s. But uh, yeah, there's a bit of a, a flourishing of, of those games for a little bit. Realize they're much harder to make than people realize. Yeah, I remember playing Desperados and uh, I played it on the PS1, I think. 
Um, mm. And one of the biggest issues is that if you failed, um, you have to restart. Yeah. It will take about a minute for the <laughs> game to reload. Yeah. And it was like, and so you got punished every single time. That was your punishment. Is yeah, the fact yeah. that you have to reload and wait at least a minute. It might have been longer than a minute. I can't your, remember. Your punishment is, is, is go grab a snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And have a shower and, you know, have like a cup of tea and, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, this is the era before Super Meat Boy, okay? Because mm. Super Meat Boy brought about the, oh, you're dead, the back again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have another go. Go on. You'll get past that blade. You'll be fine. Oh, no, you're dead again. Well, you know, you get it next time. You will. Trust me. <laughs> that, that's yeah. how that, you know, one of the beautiful, most simplest things they ever did on that game was instant re- respawn. Just instant. Mm. Fraction of a second. Yeah. Like, there you are. Oh. So I'd, I personally call that the Super Meat Boy effect. You know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So next question, and this one is difficult because you may not want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I uh, know, yeah, it says an opener, Chris, blimey. Here we go. And this is an individual thing, really. It's not a lot of collective. So we're going to go between Robert and Lucas, but you can answer how you wish. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Most admire. Who do you point um, at and go, you there, carry on what you're doing. You're very good at it. Um, I'd say maybe CD Projekt Red. Okay. Um, overall. Yes. Um, like, despite what happened with the cyberpunk situation, you yeah. can't you can't throw them under the bus because of one thing, one, you know, release that was, you know, there was an issue with. You have to kind of look at their entire catalog and what they've done. Um, and they seem to, for the most part, do right by everyone. Um, so I'd probably say CD Projekt Red is, um, I think a lot of companies should kind of admire and aim towards that kind of, that that kind of, you know, level of competency for the most part. No one's perfect, um, but I think, yeah, they're a good choice. Okay. What about you, Lucas? Who, who do you point at and think, yes, I like their stuff? Oh, for me, it's pretty predictable, I think. Valve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Valve. Okay. Yeah. I, I like, what really, because... When when Rob was answering, I was thinking, well, well, back then they they released a lot of cool games, but they did spend quite a lot of time not doing any good really not good, but like not released at all, right? It was just updates, and so, but then I realized, oh no, there's actually Half Life Alex, which was pretty good, magnificent so, game, my game of the year, twenty nineteen. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I played I it. I, I really really enjoyed it, and I, yeah. and so yeah, I I would say. Valve, I don't mm. know. It really, really struck me. So yeah, it was great being back in City Seventeen in your face. It was like oh, dude. and the graphics too, right? Like yeah, yeah, it's impressive for a VR. Like why? Yeah. How this is running on my laptop? I don't know, but it, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I have a um, uh, Oculus Quest Two, which I link to my PC, which is always when when people talk about VR, and I said get one of those. And you go, well, why? Well, if you, you can hook it up to your PC, and as long as your PC's beasty and you know beefy enough, beasty, beefy enough, um, <laughs> you can actually run PC VR games through it as well, uh, which means you basically get two platforms in one, <laughs> or actually yeah, three, because you get Steam VR, you get Oculus Rift games, and Oculus Quest games. So you're laughing. So that's what I always advise people is get one of those. They're great. And yeah, I, I, I've said this many times on the show before, but we can talk about it a little bit abstract terms is the mere fact in most video FPS games, you know, the act of reloading is, well, you don't need to acknowledge it. What you do is sort of like prevent you from shooting anymore, but you just hit R or whatever button and it just happens. Whereas in, in Half-Life Alex, it's an, an entire sequence of events <laughs> it's like okay eject the magazine i will do that Blink. now you have to get another one from your backpack assuming there is one in there there should be one and you go pick it up and then you go right now insert it into the gun oh god so imagine trying to do this all of this shenanigans while uh, some head crab thing is trying to leak <laughs> so it's terrifying it's a wonderful simple thing of turning the act of loading a gun into a major, major event to the point where you're going, well, I'm going, I'm not, I'm not going in there. Why? I've only got two bullets in my gun. I'm not going in there. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a 
simple thing. Yeah, and, and also that actually, in my answer, was a good take, which is like, if you think about it, when Valve uh, showed off Half-Life 2 in that A3 presentation, I think 2003, Yeah, that was like, everyone was like, wow, okay, this is next gen. Um, and then with Half-Life Alex, it's the same thing over again. So it's not like they oh they haven't done that no, no they're doing that yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a real yeah. thing right and yeah. so I think that's one of the things you might argue like oh it's it's not that uh, it's not that the same thing anymore but it's still pretty impressive and like you said even the fact that you just want to reload the gun is completely different and yet it's comfortable and that's what's like wow yeah it's probably the hard okay. part yeah so again oh, yeah. I know my 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 answer is a bit cliche but Valve. <laughs> No cliche answers here. Don't worry. It's a it's a personal thing, so don't worry. Last question of the first half. Yeah, see, you made it. Well done. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Yay! There's <laughs> a cold mini boss thing after this. It's, you'll be fine. Anyway, um, Robert, what are you playing right now? Um, well, I was playing Elden Ring. Oh, <laughs> there it is. The yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I finished that. Oh, well um, done. So, yeah. You killed the so god. So the question is, what well, game should I play next? <laughs> so how oh did you... Boy. Yeah, I mean, what was the thing that kept you going with a certain game beginning of letter E involving circular things? Oh, sorry, what was that? Me, to, It's me really convolutedly saying Elden Ring without actually using oh, okay, the word gotcha. Elden Ring. Oh, the ring. Yeah, okay. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So how, yeah, how did you... How did you find it? What kept you going with it? Well, well, I've always been a Dark Souls fan. Okay. Um, so it basically encompassed everything that I loved in Dark Souls, but on steroids. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, holy crap, does that game look amazing when it comes to the art behind it? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it, it kind of looks like, it reminds me of, um, you know, Shadow of Colossus has that kind of, you know, artistic vibe meets, you know. Often cited um, when people Zelda. talk about Elden Ring. It's often. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if, you, if you've played it, but um, mm. it is kind of jaw-dropping when you start playing the game. Um, like, it doesn't do anything extremely different to um, the Souls formula besides the open world kind of environment, but um, I think they've just really nailed, um, you know, the Souls formula to, to yeah. a high degree. Um, but it's also, like, what kept me playing was more like... Um, there's a spot over there. I don't know what's over there. Let's have a look. Oh, it's a big building. Let me climb on the side of it. Oh, it's actually a dungeon. You go inside. Oh, there's actually minions in here. Oh, there's a boss, right? Um, so it was always like, what's happening down, you know, this patch of the world. Um, and then you find something new that you never, you know, expected. Yeah. So rather than like a series of icons that like, oh, you can head to that. I mean... One of the reasons I mainlined Skyrim, which I did, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit, <laughs> but I totally did mainline Skyrim, was mm. I went, well, let's just follow this major icon then, to keep following that along mm. until it comes to an end. Mm. Can't really do that with Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, Elden Ring's like, design philosophy can't work for most games. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. you can't do it with a Ubisoft game. You can't do it with, like, um, a Skyrim game, no. um, but because yeah, there's proper RPG kind of elements, there's story elements, there's all that kind of stuff, right? Um, Elden Ring is literally, if you if you break it down, um, it, it's got so much content that it's okay to avoid content or you miss out on the content because it's just not there. At the same time, um, it's not like other games like Witcher or um, Assassin's Creed where. Um, there's a story element where you're kind of following breadcrumbs in the story. Yeah. There's none of that. There's no. just bosses and and basically monsters. Um, and maybe you want to unlock a door, right? Um, and so because they don't have that extra story element and narrative element on top, I think they can get away with it. Um, they can't. I think most other games can't get away with it. Otherwise, you're gonna have frustration. Yeah, uh, there is so, a story. There are breadcrumbs. There is. There is, but, but it's not it's, the same kind. It's not the same kind. It's a story you got to you've got to fragment yourself. Yeah, it's it's yourself. secondary. If if you want to look into it, that's completely fine. Um, yeah. what I mean is like in in Assassin's Creed, uh, you can't avoid the story. You, you no, know what you mean? can't. Um, no, yeah, people say, yeah. oh, I don't want to do the modern day stuff. Like, oh, that's a lie. 
I know <laughs> yeah. you. From when amount of times I hear people go, "Oh, we'll just ignore that." Like, did you complete yeah. it? Yeah. So how did you do that then? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it. I think it's just you this know? weird culture around those games. Like, I don't want to talk about the the, the modern day stuff. And I said, I actually quite <laughs> find it quite interesting. Didn't you? And you said you finished yeah, yeah. the game and you didn't do it. Oh, you must be lying then. Yeah. In order to finish it, you have to engage with it. You have to. Yeah, yeah, but, that's right. So, anything you're planning to what? Plan to watch play? Um, planning to play. Mm, you um, said you you're gonna you're gonna sort of like reveal what you're well, next. Yeah, I'm not too sure yet. Okay. Um, I have to find what's out there. Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna he's gonna boot up a uh, Sting right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you know what? <laughs> well, one game that it does look pretty Steam cool, but early access. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the one game that looks cool, um, but I might hold off, um, is V Rising. Oh yeah, we've um, lots of press yeah. from that. It's like, yeah, stop it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it looks sick. Um, yeah. but the issue is it's early access and yeah. Uh, like I don't want to jump in and then things change later on if I want to, you know. The very reason it, why, you know, it, yeah, it's the very reason I'm not yeah. playing Baldur's Gate three because like well, it's not finished. Mm. Why would I do that? Yeah, I have so many early access games that are on my wish list that I'm not touching until you know yeah, closer yeah. to the to the release date. Um, so yeah, okay. I don't know yet. <laughs> Rob, Rob, should I say it? <laughs> what? I mean, my game, War Islands. It's so early access, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I know it's early access. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you want I'm me sorry, to just break just, my rule? <laughs> so, what, what, what's distracting you, then, Lucas? What's what's um, pulling you away from your the, the lights of coding? I I finished playing A Way Out recently. Okay. I really enjoyed that game. Like, uh, not I mean, obviously because of the story, but. Um, the split screen being so dynamic, really, it was like, okay, like they wanted to go a little beyond. They could just put split screen regularly, right? No, but they decided to go a little bit further, which I really enjoyed. And uh, it does work well with the story, like the way they, they switch cameras or, well, should I say switch? Because they just move the camera sideways, but it's, I really like it. That's that's the the last one that I finished. Um, I'm thinking I've I've been playing a little bit, but just very very little bit of the new ter- Terraria update. Um, so want to play a little bit, but uh, oh, oh some uh, some Switch games as well. I recently bought a Switch, but um, yeah, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> okay, yeah. Up until recently, my Switch was my Animal Crossing machine. Uh, but uh, as a return back to the office and stuff, like I that. do not have Animal Crossing. I hope that this is not illegal, but I do not. Have I don't Crossing. know. I may have to report you, but we'll we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep you. I mean, obviously, I got uh, obviously, you got Breath of the Wild, right? Right? Mm. Right? Uh-oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> right. Rob would save the Thank day, you. but otherwise, I'm definitely going to have to call the police. <laughs> What's wrong with oh, you? Boy. Gosh, plenty of things. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I use it to play uh usually it, play games with my but... wife so it's it's not like single player it's more like no i mean i'm assuming you're gonna jump onto t- it takes two then eventually considering i, heard that's really I haven't good. played it yet i no, i, I, I want to play it yeah, yeah. i mean let's just say the main protagonists are more annoying than they should be but i think that's <laughs> that's designed that way the book's hilarious though he's great anyway on that strange note, <laughs> let us uh, let us move on to the second half of the show, where we delve deep into Winter Ember. Thank you. 
Yay! So, <laughs> before we do that, I'd like to know, in your own words, in your own interpretation, wherever you want to see it, tell us, what is Winter Ember? Ah, what is Winter Ember? Um, I think it's kind of like a, a love story to Thief fans. Um, I think it's a love story to the Batman story as well, uh, in a way. Um, it's trying to rejuvenate, I guess, the stealth market in, in some way. Because there isn't a lot of, uh, you know, stealth games that, that have come out. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's more like what I want to see in a game I wanted to create. Okay. And it is third-person, top-down. People say isometric. They abuse that term so much. Technically, it's not isometric. It's not. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. I know what isometric is. Dude, I, I thank God someone agrees with me. I was discussing this with a friend the other day. I'm like, no, this is not <laughs> But I've heard it so often. Like, why are they saying yeah. that? Isometric. Maybe we should a, change the description, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's a, it is a top... It's um. Third person, quite zoomed out view. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not over the shoulder. It's quite, it's quite zoomed out, so you can see. There's a, there's a, there's a reason for that because mm. it's a sense of awareness. That's the point. You're trying to replicate mm. the awareness of the main protagonist, so they mm. know where all those things. They can see it, but rather mm. than you trying to project that into the player's ability to do that, because they don't have that. That's his, that's their strength. That's what they're trained to do. It's it sort of you know, it allows you to, to create simulate their sense of awareness, their um, physically, then knowing where they are in relation to other things in the world. Mm. Um, and that's that's quite uh, what what other way to do it? Actually, have a zoomed out and camera mm. that you control everyone. If it was isometric, like, I don't know, Night Law or something, so it's a really old game, bad example, but uh, Diablo, there you go. Is that? Yeah, it's not that, because that's a fixed camera. You can't rotate it in any way. It's just mm. this, 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 you know, this fixed view, which is not the case. You can rotate and all sorts of things and zoom mm. in and out and that kind of stuff with, with um, into Ember. So... um. Well, it's funny. Um, the the latest patch before we continue on. Um, yeah, yeah. The latest patch that we're working on, you're, the, the camera is actually going to be pulled back even further. Yeah, there you go. As well, it's like what they yeah, did with so you Command can get more of the awareness. Which is, you know, mm. the, the re-release of Command Conquer, where you can zoom the map out entirely. It's bonkers, and I refuse to accept it. It's heretical, but they've done it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, first design question is this: brace yourselves. Here we go. The vision of the main protagonist alters in Winter Ember depending on how hidden they are. So if you go into the shadows and you hide away, but you can't see, you you have to peek and look around to try to see them rather than the game giving you like this outline of where they are. You, You always know where all the enemies are. It's like, why would you not know that? And you can, but in in Winter Ember, no, no, no. You've got to, you know, expose yourself even temporarily, steady everyone. You know, not not in that sense. <laughs> um, keep, it, keep it clean. Uh, Arthur is so, a flasher. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, you have to really, you know, potentially get yourself caught, seen, in order for you to see things. Why? And how did this come about? Um, I think it's more to do with um, stealth games are meant to be a patient experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you shouldn't have an unfair advantage because of the camera's perspective. Um, like, granted, first-person shooters are probably the most immersive kind of experiences you can have because um, it's, you know, via your eyes. You don't get to see your body in a wider surrounding. Um, but from that perspective... Um, we didn't want to give an unfair advantage to to the player where um, it's kind of you're on evil, even footing with the enemy. So you want to make sure that you look around the surroundings, you peek over whatever you need to peek over, peek through doors if you have to. Um, it, it's it's more it, it was to do with just trying to, I don't know, how would you say it, maybe not oppress the player, um, but I guess humble them down to the level where you need to be cautious. 
Yeah, and, and not only that, but also the fact that like if you can see the guard and he's facing you, he can see you. It's like unless you're like very well hidden, um, if you're peeking, they might be able to spot you. So it's more like you shouldn't be just seeing them and they're not seeing you. So you you definitely have this timing, and it's more I like like Rob says more like a patient game. But yeah, it, you do, you do want to make sure that they also see you at the same time. Well. Also, unless you're um, like out of light and stuff like that, but that's well, that's the whole thing. Um, light as well. The advantage for Arthur is the fact that he can get rid of light, um, and so it becomes harder for the enemy to see you. Arthur can see them, so there is that advantage, um, but it's harder for the enemy to see you. So the the idea is, you know, if you're gonna peek and you're gonna expose yourself, maybe you should do it when you're, you know, out of light. Yeah. As well, so that's yeah. a part. That's that's part of the mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Just I find it fascinating. Because it's not as if he's got a motion tracker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that same sort of game logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, I just found it really fascinating that that was a thing, and it's really, really clever. I think I know one of the Splinter Cells explored that with you having a silhouette of your previous position. Mm. Um, like they know you're, you were, you know, that you were there, but you're not there mm. anymore. And indeed, I played a board game recently for the Sniper Elite games. Mm. And that was Hidden Movement, where you, one player who's playing the sniper and the other players, in brackets, um, are playing the, the Germans who they're trying to find the sniper. And there would be a case of the they were just process of elimination was trying to find the sniper player, depending on their mm. actions and where they were, not where they are, because mm. they don't know where they are, but they know where they were based on what they did, typically. Unless they didn't, mm. they did things where they're hidden, and <laughs> I get a lot of that with with Winter Ember. That was good. And... Mm. It's funny. Um, you mentioned um, Spinner Cell Conviction and Blacklist had that feature yeah. where um, it's a last known um, yeah. position. Um, if you think about it, more so Conviction than Blacklist. Um, that type of stealth gameplay is a, is a little bit different to the typical. It was more hit and run. Yeah. Um, so oh, you yeah. weren't just cautiously walking around. You're actually exposing yourself but then you also have to run yeah so it's guerrilla warfare they found a way to actually make guerrilla warfare um with the inside you know the, the splinter cell franchise which is pretty impressive well to be me. fair you can do that in winter ember as well <laughs> if, if you want to go crazy yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's not the yeah. same though but yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's used as a weapon and i found it quite interesting mm. so yeah I want to sort of get into that, sort of flow into that concept, because one of the things I found when I was playing through Winter Ember was you are, as a player, really rewarded for being unobserved, you know, knowing that you weren't there in the first place. Terrible, you know, things happened, destructive things happened, you took things, stole things, but no one knows you were there during the time, or indeed they can only suspect and know that someone was there but no idea who you are basically a ghost that's the that's that's really what what you're aiming for what have you done in the design from the outset of winter ember to encourage this kind of behavior uh, and this kind of interaction with winter ember on the part of the player um funny thing is uh the original name for winter ember was ghost by the way it's funny <laughs> yeah. i use that term yeah. um <laughs> um so uh, I guess fundamentally we had to look at, um, you know, if you were to be set in that environment, if you're you as a human being, um, what would be, you know, if you had to sneak around, what would you do in real life, right? Um, you'd be care careful about how much noise you make. So, you would you know, if you're running, you're going to make a lot of noise. If you're sneaking, obviously less, right? Um, we thought about noises like if you bump into a stool, it's going to make a noise. Um, if you're going to walk on carpet, it's going to make less noise. Um, and then we also had a look at the lighting system, right? We need to make sure that, um, you know, the idea is to stay out of light as much as possible. So these are like the fundamental, basically vision and sound was fundamental to Winter Ember. Then on top of that, we did want to focus on um, tool sets. Um, so you can use a smoke arrow. You can use a whole bunch of stuff to kind of get by, a blunt arrow to attract enemies, right? Um, so you had, to, you had a tool set that was in place. Um, so when it came to the methodology behind, you know, creating a game like Winter Ambo, we made sure that we looked at the, the, um, the vision and the sound, um, of the enemy AI, um, and, and tool sets. 
so yeah that's how we built it from the ground up from that perspective so it's an emergent property it's something mm. the, the the player had to the, the, that's how winter ember evolved into what it is based on mm. the core this core pillar and it's yeah. very common very common yeah i and actually um, remember um like how how many uh, actual puzzle elements we start adding just because we seen like oh this actually makes sense so if we shoot this arrow here this is what will happen and so we actually start adding in stuff because of this so yeah that's definitely one of the mm. ground up yeah and uh, another thing that we tried to focus on was that um a lot of really good stealth games um they give you many opportunities to get by something um so if there's like a locked door and it's like yeah the lock pick level is hard and you can't unlock it right or you can but it's really hard to do right um if you go around the corner there might be a window you can kind of jump through or there might be, you know, you can use a rope arrow to climb on the side of the building. So a lot of players actually probably don't even know that a lot of environments have multiple ways. They're, a lot of it's just kind of hidden away. Yeah, um, observation is rewarded in the Winter Ember, I found. Yeah, that's right. So if you have a look at, like, there's a symbol on your your map. It might be, like, a, um, a wall that you can break down. Um, but you don't know where it is. It's like, oh, look at your map. There's a symbol there. It's like, maybe you should go in that direction and find out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, but keep I, in mind, like, um, so for you, Chris, you're not going to see any windows because, you know, you're playing on Steam Deck. <laughs> no? Anyone? That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say Valve was one of your favorite developers and he does that? Actually, in all seriousness, I found it easier to play on Steam Deck because you could see more. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, you can actually see more. Because, ah, because you've got go. the screen right in front of you and you can actually look down into it. Oh, yeah, look at that. So, yeah. Hey, there you go, no, Lucas. <laughs> Sorry, Rob, I, I right, didn't want to interrupt. I, love, I, love that. I really like the puns. <laughs> right back at you. Yeah. yeah, Lucas loves puns. Like, oh, yeah. Any, any excuse to use puns. Yeah, yeah. I, I endorse <laughs> the, 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 the dad joke phenomena. So, yeah. I want to talk about bleeding now. Not in real life, that's awful. But in Winter Ember, it's a thing. You get wounded and then you start to to bleed, and it's a really bad thing. Whereas it's a it's a you know a consequence mm. of being wounded, of course, mm. and therefore your presence can be known, and uh, the guards and what have you will be alerted because you're now bleeding everywhere. Mm. How did this come about, and what have you done to? balance the impact of this aspect of winter ember to making sure it's not too punitive on the part of the player for them you know not quite um parrying a blow that was inflicted on them mm. um well i suppose it's it's a way of um kind of for, i don't know like funneling a player's experience towards staying out of sight because how do you bleed well you get injured because you're you're getting into combat um we, it was kind of so. If if you have, if you break down what the bleed system does, um, yes, it does attract enemies, um, but also at the same time, uh, your actual damage output is reduced as well. Yes, um, and also depending on um, the, the difficulty. So I think easy, it's reduced by ten percent. Normal, twenty percent. Hard, thirty percent, and forty percent on faceless man difficulty. Um, so you're essentially doing half the damage on that um, on that difficulty. Uh, option um so it was more like I, w I wanted an original kind of system in place uh where uh once again you have to be cautious and you probably don't want to get into a fight you want to avoid you know fights as much as possible even though you can get into a fight um balancing it out well we made sure that you don't lose health as as you bleed um because you know ultimately you've got um this massive tool set a massive tool set that's at your disposal um and so if you do you know, struggle with combat, you can uh, kind of even the playing field, shoot, you know, a, a smoke arrow. It's going to make everyone, you know, disorientated. If you shoot an electric arrow, it's going to zap a whole bunch of, you know, enemies. Um, if you shoot a poison arrow, the enemies can't block. Well, they're being poisoned. Um, it's that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was kind of like we were one, – one of the things that we worried about was the fact that you have um, a massive tool set. If you really have a look at, like, how powerful your, your tool set is, um, to overcome your enemies, um, you can basically play God if you really, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so we we had to try and handicap the player mm -hmm. in in a certain degree, and that was actually one of the reasons why we we put a system like that. 
Well, actually, in the in the beginning, it it was out the same thing as before, which is starting from the ground up and in, in upgrading it as we go, as we develop. Because in the beginning, it was mostly uh, for, so if you if you're bleeding, right, and then you know a few drops of blood start spawning, and so a guard will see like, hey, what what's this, right? And so from there, we're like, oh wait, but what happens if a civilian sees it and gets gets scared, and then it runs past a guard, and then the guard's like, hey, what's going on? And then you know, mm. so. It, Creates this chain effect, so we start upgrading from there, and then eventually we've got the the bandages. And like Rob said, uh, you know, it actually nerfs you a little bit, so you, you don't deal as much damage, um, stuff like that. But in the beginning it was more like, you know, let's make sure if you're if you're hurt, um, uh, that this would somehow make your life harder, <laughs> basically, right? Because you have like a few guards, uh, this becomes a problem. Yeah. And so. Yeah, that that that's initially it was more more to draw attention than anything. But yeah, like Rob said, the thing is like we start you start playing around. You're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Let's let's implement that, and then let's let's implement this, and you know, and it goes from there. But yeah, 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 yeah. how these things evolve. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of arrows, which you did mention in detail about, that's the the, the extraordinary thing that uh, that Arthur has to. To uh, and, and their, their repertoire of skills and abilities, um, the arrow crafting is quite extensive in Winter Ember. You can take various components and jam them all together, uh, and kind of a similar to way to Horizon Zero Dawn a little bit. That's got that in there as well. Um, so mm. um, you can do different ranged weapons for various situations, both like creating rope bladders or ropes and also creating um, sound or knocking things out or, you know, all sorts of stuff. Mm. Can you, like, go through their design and how you found, like, creating this um, model of thing that's infused into Winter Ember? It's very... It seems to be like a core component to it. Um... And um, you know, how have you found really introducing it? In, 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 you know, how when testing it within the environment, you have this idea, then you throw it into the game and you trigger it. And what what how, what have you found? It's been the, the 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 trials and tribulations of introducing a an open ended um, uh, creation tool within an adventure game. That's really what I'm getting at. What well, how have mm. you found developing that? Um. So I think I see arrows as more like magic. Um, so in a lot of other games, you know, they actually have magic, right? Yeah. Um, but with Winter Amber, because it's grounded in like reality, there's no magic that's or miracles inside um, the Winter Amber world. Um, and so uh, I wanted to kind of use the arrow system as essentially magic, right? Um, and once again, because, you know, Arthur is very fragile. It doesn't take much for him to get killed, right? If he hits in you and you're basically dead. Yeah. Um, and so it was all about kind of um, leveling at the playing field. Now, because you're dealing with so many different like elements, um, it was hard to kind of not have bugs appearing because, you know, if you have fire mixed with whatever, um, or how does the AI play out when you, you know, shoot this arrow at them? Um, and so we did play around with certain elements, for example, like the water arrow, right? The water arrow, you know, shoots out fire. But at the same time, if you shoot on the ground, the enemy will slip on it. Um, and then at the same time, okay, should that puddle stay there? How long should it stay there? That means a whole bunch of enemies will slip. And then we're like, okay, this is too OP. Everyone's just slipping all over the place. Um, how about one slip on the um, puddle? The puddle disappears. What about if Arthur slips on the puddle? So you have, you have to be careful, right? Um, so he slips. Um, I think the current version has that. The the patch version will remove that um, because it's it's too. Um, I, I think it's it's too hard to deal with when you're trying to deal with enemies and you run over your own water. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so it's one of those things that we're constantly trying to balance and figure out what's the best kind of um, you know best way of implementing something like that without breaking the game without making it too hard or too easy um that's one of the biggest issues that i found is trying to figure out balance um if something's too easy or too hard um and so yeah that water might, example if, i think is a good one 
you might notice that in in the patch, uh, some arrows will deal more damage, even right. Um, mm. if I'm not mistaken. I, I I can't remember all the arrows that we tweaked, but yeah, mostly because that's that's most of uh, that's part of the priority, right? Your tool set, mm. basically. So well. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Uh, what I was about to do is oh, about to jump in. Um, like for example, the arrowheads. Uh, we've increased the damage of the arrowheads, so it's uh, the arrows do more damage than your sword, right? Because it's, it's it's an item that you lose out on, right? Yeah. So you don't want to really really punch the and uh, a lot of players didn't want to use the arrows because I guess it wasn't it was not that powerful, right? Okay. So we we did increase the damage output, but at the same time, you have to also remember if you attach something like a fire fire sorry fire fire element to the arrow you're also adding extra damage on top of the arrow. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one of those things where it's very, very hard to kind of balance out because when you start adding elements on top, um, it becomes, um, you become over, uh, OP very, very quickly. Um, hence why we added that bleed system and made Arthur's health so small. Um, but yeah. No, it, it speaks volumes that you're still, I say still, uh, but you are continuing mm. to modify this because it's, yeah, it's tricky to do. You know, you, you yeah. created this. Yeah, balancing is hard. Yeah, and doing this, it's an interesting and very important component of the game. But you don't want to get it to the point where it breaks it, and then it ceases yeah. to be engaging. And that's yeah. what—that's the danger of having an open-ended, almost infinite combinations or creation mm. tool within a set sort of action adventure with its own rules and requirements and here's this thing that you can go well you've got all these restrictions but here's a can opener oh great cheers welcome mm. and you don't yeah. want it to be your particularly good can opener <laughs> but you still want it to be useful is that you know it's, yeah yeah it's, that makes sense yeah, yeah and it's got it's it's uh and i just found that uh it could have gone all sorts of different ways with this but i think you've got the balance just right and that it doesn't suffer too badly from what I call the BFG syndrome. BFG syndrome is something I mention a lot on this show, and it happens a lot in most games, in that you have the BFG in Doom, uh, but you never fire it. <laughs> it's just like, mm. I'm just going to hold on to yeah. this until I actually face a big demon. And then you, just, yeah, yeah. you just never fire. Or the, you know, the, the potion, the amazing sparkly mm. potion you find in some dungeon mm. somewhere in some... RPG, and you just never take it because you go, oh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll save that for later. The amount of games I did that, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and yeah. now um, I, 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 I recognize it, and then I make sure that I do actually use because it's in the game. Mm. It's it's there to be used. I'm going to use it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I think I think one of the challenges you hit on something because one of the challenges with winter ember is that in most games you get items that you're just going to continue getting right yeah um, like it could be like magic with mana right mm -hmm. we're never going to run out of magic right um one of the challenges i think with winter ember is that it's a very tool orientated game um so you have to use health potions to heal you have to use bandages to stop bleeding you have to use um daggers and arrows and so these are things that you know, you can run out of, right? And so a lot of players, I think, they're afraid to use items. Um, but what I'm trying to do with Winter Ember is it's okay to use items. Um, yeah. You're in a tough environment. Um, don't be afraid of using it. Um, and so I think right now um, we're still trying to balance out the game because I think it's a little bit too hard perhaps. Um, like, like I said, you can draw out the playing field with tools, um, but I think a lot of players um, still would go, you know, you know, buckling with their swords. So it's kind of hard to balance that kind of aspect I, out. I didn't. I just channeled my inner thief. No offense. You're, you're, mm. what you've done, oh, yeah. I just went, well, that the whole game was when you got caught. It's probably the last resort to actually stab anyone with your, your, your mm. sword. Um, yeah. It was that's the, it. The, the combat in that game. The original I'm talking about was mm. um, really just not good. Yeah. You don't want to fight. <laughs> just that don't. Yeah. 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 One one thing that it's worth mentioning as well is that the the arrows were actually a roller coaster <laughs> ride in, right. in terms of I remember in the beginning it was not too many arrows in the level and then we're like yeah we should add more levels and then we're like wow there's too many levels and then we add the blue blueprint requirements so we need to have a blueprint to craft a specific type of arrow 
So otherwise it would be like you can get explosive error in the beginning of the game. It's like, well, wait, no, there's something wrong there. <laughs> so yeah, you got, got from there. Yeah. And yeah so yeah. Uh, in the next patch, actually, we're even improving the crafting screen. So the the recent arrows that you craft is on the left side now. So it's more easy to craft those arrows because that's something that people start, you know, talking about. It's like yeah. the patch is gonna know, be fat. By the way, yeah, we got a lot of it's feedback huge. about it, and we yeah. honestly we're taking this very serious. Like we mm. we do want to make sure it looks great and so this was one of the things that people talked about which like you know should be able to just craft it easily the, the recent ones it doesn't have to be 30 recent ones but a, a few right just mm. a few and so that's mm. one of the things that we're doing as well and so it should be actually actually i already finished that but it should be in the next patch but okay. yeah yeah so, so wait, wait on that patch <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um Winter Ember, then, uh, is developed by Sky Machine Studios. Great name for the Thank you. developer. Well, where does that come from, Sky Machine Studios? <laughs> from the sky. Um, from, the <laughs> sky. Yeah, from the sky. There you go. There's the pun. Well done. Nay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there has to be a sound for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ding. So, um, yeah, uh, Robert, tell us, where does um, it come from? So, um, I'm not as creative as you think I am. Um, it came from, so there's two things. It came from the idea of, um, you know, Bioshock, yeah. um, uh, the, the sequel, right? Yeah. Um, how, you know, it was, it was a city in the sky essentially, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so that kind of heavenly city in the sky, um, I did like the concept of a ship flying in the sky. And on top of that, um, this is where I cheated. Um, there's a band called Carnival, right? Um, a metal uh, progressive band um, from Australia. And one of their songs is called Sky Machine. All right. And so so I put two and two together and I'm like, hey, this is a mad you know, sounding name. Yeah, so, yeah. that's, so I cheated. It, it wasn't okay. some kind of elaborate dream I had where, it, like, you know, you know um, Smithers, where Burns flies through the, you know, the window in his dream. It wasn't oh, a ship yeah. flying through the window. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, that, well, that's his version, Chris, because the the real version oh, that he's yeah, afraid he, of heights. He's so afraid he's, of heights. Oh yeah, there you go. He wanted to make something to fake it so people yeah, don't. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not afraid. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. He's not. Just... So, um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, Winter Embers are developed by Sky Machine Studios, published by Blowfish Studios, and available on what platforms? Um, PC, PlayStation, Xbox, um, and we're working on Switch. Okay, very good. Um, yeah. And which, um, what, 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 what could it run on the computer-wise? Is it Windows? I think it is. Ah, uh, yes, Windows. Yes. Windows. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. And of course, Steam Deck, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we had people asking about that, and we're like, we have no clue. <laughs> yeah, well, I can confirm it does work. It's fine. Um, Excellent. But. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you both on the show. No, likewise. Thank you yeah. for having us. Um, yeah, it's, thanks. it's been really illuminating talking about the abstract design concepts of the Winter Ember. Um, well done in creating it. Thank you. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back to chat about whatever next you're cooking up um, mm -hmm. as you sort of wind out those, those patches to just to polish it just a little bit more, it being Winter Ember. And, um, but, yeah, in the meantime... Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank Appreciate you. it. Cheers. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, caneandrinse.com. <laughs>